to Charity Chats. I'm here today with James Shaddock, who is social media strategist at Cystic Fibrosis Trust. And today's show, we're talking about social media. What is social media? I found out today the Oxford Dictionary has a definition for social media, and that is websites and applications that enable users to create and share content or to participate in social networking. Does that sum it up for you? Yeah, I think it's kind of the basics of it. I mean, all social media is, is us being social using essentially digital or new media. Right. So yeah. it's, it's about not doing anything we've never done differently in the past. It's just simply using the new tools and technology that we have to share, to connect and interact with people. And, and when we're talking about social media, we're talking about things like Facebook, everyone knows about. I saw something around, there's like 1.4 billion users of Facebook now. Yeah. So that's like the biggest country in the world. Yeah, if yeah. Facebook was its own country, it'd be the biggest country in the world, yeah. That's in terms of, um, yeah, so you've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got YouTube. They're all the ones that people probably know best. LinkedIn, it's for yeah, professionals, LinkedIn. right? Um, and then you've got these new ones, which I haven't really come across too much, like Pinterest. Pinterest has been around for a while. Um, right. you've, you've also got the new kids on the block, like Snapchat yes. and all the messaging apps. Yeah. And then you've got, you've actually start, what you've started to get now is much more social sides of other platforms. Okay. So if you think about things like Netflix, where you've got um, elements where you know it shows you what your friends are watching because you've got it connected to your various social accounts. If you okay. think about things like Spotify where you've got your feed about all your friends and what they're listening to sure. so social media is both its own channels and platforms but it's also creeping into other yeah. elements so what is I suppose is that designed to let people engage with each other on every possible exactly so, yeah it's about building a community and allowing people to connect and share yeah you know as I said to that not doing anything we did before the rise of social media hmm. yeah any differently it's about just using the new tools and technologies and media f- formats out there to continue doing what we've done before. As more and more organisations move towards being on digital platforms, more importantly, as more, more and more of their audience go up using digital and social platforms, mm-hmm. that's where their audience is. And therefore, if you're not where your audience is, or more importantly, where your audience is going to be, you're not going to reach that audience. How should we use Facebook and Twitter? And um, and also, I had a question from one of our community, Amy, uh, who said, uh, who asked the question, "How do you get people to engage in Twitter chats, more specifically?" How you use social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, Twitter is depending on a what your organisation does, sure, and b who your audience are and where they are. So the first thing I would say is obviously you skew towards fundraising because your background's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. fundraising and obviously a lot of people who work in, in this area within social, uh, charities focus tend to be focused around the fundraising team sure first thing to remember is that your social media audience will not always be about fundraising okay you know don't forget that your social media audience will be your service beneficiaries they'll be your community they'll be um, you know your stakeholders and if you mm. gear your social media to just one part of yeah. that large audience, you're going to not necessarily alienate the rest of them, but they're not going to be as engaged with you. 
the key thing to do is find out actually who your audience is. You know, try and learn who that commu- that community is. Is it, you know, for us, is it, is it largely people with cystic fibrosis? Is it their parents and carers? Is it clinicians and researchers? Is it fundraisers? And then you start to learn about where they are. So, you know, are they mainly using Facebook? Are they mainly using Twitter? Or are they on more niche platforms? And then that's how you then start to look at how you should be using social media channels. The key thing is not to always be hammering home an ask. Because the chances are, if they're engaged with you on Facebook, they're already engaged with you in some other way right you know they're probably you know they are already a, a service user or you know they're already part of your patient community or they're already part part of your fundraising base you know, sure whether they're a direct debit giver whether they're doing challenge events for you yeah so they don't need to be told to donate if that makes sense they either already know the reason to yeah donate or they're already donating so is social media is used as kind of a reminder that you're there it's, yeah it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a reminder you're there I think it's what you do is you show the benefit that that fundraising that donation is having right okay and by showing that you then add an ask on to to that so that people are more likely to give does that make sense yeah it does make sense so I, I suppose also giving them every opportunity to give but at the same time as, as what you're yeah. saying you know you're not you're not constantly asking give us some more money yeah. you know, give us some more give us some more support yeah because I suppose you've also got to show them what that support's actually doing yeah because otherwise all it is is ask ask and is it right that in terms of Facebook if um, if say you've got a, a, a Facebook page for your organisation if you're putting stuff on there if people stop liking it or opening it does that start to come off of their feed yes okay. it does so um I can't remember whether they've changed it or not, and Facebook changed it quite changed the way they do things yeah. quite often, and usually only change things once it's like announce things once it's sort of been beta tested and la- launched. Yeah, but there used to be a, sort of like a ninety day li- limit where if you didn't engage with a post from a page, yeah, for ninety days, then yeah, they'd stop showing it to you. You because what you're showing is you like the page, but you're not liking it enough to engaging its content right okay and basically every time you engage in the content that 90 day clock restarts and engaging means sharing liking yeah sharing liking commenting yeah cl- just clicking on the post so right, you might okay. be a photo and you just click click to open it so it's full screen it, I mean it just gives Facebook an idea of actually this is the content you want to see more of I suppose yeah if you've got a page and you're posting lots and lots of content you want to be getting to at least yeah every one of those people once in those kind of few weeks don't you yeah and also it's not about posting lots of content Hmm. it's about posting content that people want to engage with right okay so um, using Amy's example about getting people engaged in terms of chats and stuff like that yeah yeah that's the sort of content that people engage with right because it's like it's things like asking questions okay um, so one of the things we do when there's um, new st- some new news stories is yeah. we share the news story and then we go ask pe- um, our community what they think about it. Okay. So things like um, smoking outside hospitals. Yeah. You know, when that was in the news, we shared a news story about it and then we asked our community what they thought. And then that generates comments. 
it's about making sure your content and what you're doing has a call to action, has something in it that makes people want to do something with it, rather than it just being a something where you can just skim through, see it, and actually don't actually have to do anything with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I don't know if I'm a typical social media user, but on Facebook, I'm checking Facebook a lot, and uh, if somebody has shared an article, I'm more likely to look at it if they've commented. Like if they, you know, when you share but you write something as well, you know, yeah. and you po- reposted it with, with your own comments, I'm more likely to look at it than if they just share it. Is that a typical thing? Yeah, um, because what you're doing there is showing that you've actually read the article. Right. So, so that. There's two ways of doing things. Obviously, you can just share stuff. Yeah. But you're not giving it any context, you know. So you might be sharing an article, um, and it might purely be that, you know, it's just something you like, but your friends won't know why you liked it, and they're not going to click it without a reason. Right, okay, yeah. Isn't, you know. No, whereas if you, you know, if you're giving commentary on it, then actually what you're saying is I've read this and I kind of want other people to... Gotcha, yeah. I've taken the time to look at it, so you should too, I suppose, that kind of mentality. You are getting things like, you know, clickbait and stuff like that. Right, okay. Um, What's clickbait? Clickbait is where um, stuff is given, like, headlines, like, you know, know, this guy guy won a million pounds. You won't believe what he did next. And then you won't know until you click. click. Okay. One of the most recent stats was that if um, YouTube was counted as a standalone TV channel, it would be America's largest. Really? That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And But in terms of, with, with YouTube, so obviously people are watching YouTube videos because I suppose it's quite a compelling medium. Is it true that people are putting now text on videos so that people don't have to load them up yeah. or don't have to listen well, to the volume? Yeah, so one of the reasons that you're getting a lot more text on videos is because of autoplaying on platforms like Facebook and Twitter right where um, the videos autoplay now if you're in an open plan office if you're like that you obviously don't want to be scrolling through videos that um, play noise all the time every time you're going through a feed sure whereas therefore the videos default to autoplay silently gotcha therefore what you need to do is have some text that explains at least the context of the video if not full subtitling right okay um, and it also means that um, you can get your message across quicker because because of autoplay video you'll get people who will pause video as soon as it stops so they won't watch the whole video right they may only see the start so if you've got your call to action or message within the first three to five seconds yeah then at least they'll have got the message even if it's just because they've had to stop to click it as they scroll through do you know if that would show up though like if somebody like we're talking about the page if I have a page and I put the video on there and then it shows up in your feed do I still need you to share it like it or comment on it in order for it to so like, for like Facebook to say so okay he's, he's interested YouTube counts the view as anything longer than five seconds okay so if you could scroll down your feed and if you hold it there for five seconds yeah it'll, it'll, count, count, it as it'll count oh I see brilliant and Facebook counts the view as anything over three. Oh wow okay That makes sense because then I was going to talk about vines because yeah. um, my uh, brother-in-law loves vines. I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying that. And these are six-second videos, and I kind of think, well, and, until you see these things, I think what can be conveyed in six seconds? But from the looks of it, quite a lot. 
and they're quite popular. So. Yeah, and I think we forget how our perception of time mm. is very different from when you're doing something like reading text. So the golden rule with joining any channel is what's its purpose? Sure. What's your purpose for being there? Um, yes, you can go and claim your, you know, if you've got a name and you're worried that someone else is going to take it because there's another charity in the same area. Yeah. Or someone might nick it, by all means sign up to all these channels and sort of cyber squat on their name, yeah. on your name. Yeah. But I don't believe that you should be joining a channel unless you've got a concrete reason to do it and just being on the latest channel yeah isn't enough to do it because firstly you need to know that your audience are there and that the people are you're trying to reach through your business goals yeah are there because otherwise what's the point secondly you're going to need the resource to be on there you know i mean think how much you know, effort a lot of organisations are putting in purely in just to being on Facebook and Twitter. Mm. Every time you add on a new channel, you're adding on to that resource sure. demand, and then you've got to create content for all these these channels. Right. Um, and obviously, a lot of these channels rely on regular content as well. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you're not going to be able to churn out enough to keep people engaged, sure. And you know, you're only going to do you know a post every month or something mm. then there's no point because the people you've engaged when you do one post are not going to be there yeah. a month later because someone else has come along and done a post today what's going to make me want to engage with your content over the baby photo my best friend just shared or thinking about a brand like say someone like Innocent yeah um, you know they share photos for the sake of sharing it you know there's no link to their website there's no um call to action mm. it's just you know here's a funny photo so um one they famously did was um if you take a photo of bats and upside down and turn it up it looks like they're having a dance off <laughs> um it's a shame that this is an audio podcast and not a video one you'll always be able to show people i'll have to find but, a picture for that for the website but yeah you know they just share really funny stuff yeah but for some reason their content does really well because it's really funny and you know they're going to share funny content so you like their page people who are donating to you mm -hmm. are probably your most engaged audience right you know unless you are like a proper big service delivery organisation you know where you're delivering a service as a charity as much as you are fundraising yeah for most charities, their biggest audience are going to be their donors. They are going to be your most engaged, whatever you do, and then stuff like mm. like that. They're they're seeing how their donation works, and then people give. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose Facebook has just set up a, or fairly recently set up a donate button on their yeah, and web as of page, today, their and then as of today, they're starting to roll out um, their own version of just giving. Right. Um, That's right. Yeah, I saw that. So in terms of, I suppose, in, in a year's time, you know, potentially we'll be able to see some new stats which will clearly indicate how many people have actually given a donation through social media. Because at the moment it's a case of I see a message on social media, I then go through to the charity site or find out more information from some other 
way and then I'm potentially make a gift the donate now function so actually you donate via Facebook you never have to go to the charity site right the you know the new fundraiser tool so that you don't actually have to have a just given page or a virgin money given page or go again go to a charity's event site own event section because it's all there on Facebook for you so are we moving towards a point where potentially social media will take even more um, of our current as, as charities more of our supporters attention than it already does and are we going to have to start looking at investing more in terms of social media infrastructure so that rather than just the website we've got a much better Facebook page a much better Twitter following and page and I think yeah that's part of it I wouldn't say it mean, means necessarily investing in your social social media team it's more about investing in digital and social as a whole right. and planning for Twitter for Twitter and Facebook for example allow things called social login where basically you'll found it when you're on the sites that need you to sign up you can say listen now or log in with Facebook log in with yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah. and all that does is it pulls in all your personal data that you've locked into one channel yeah. and passes it on to wherever you're logging into you've put your da- all your data into one place yeah. rather than you spending ages filling this form and registering again let's just use this and link it together so you know if you've got a if you're a charity that's got a website maybe with like say a, a login supporters section yeah it makes sense to have that function because I'm more likely to sign up to that supporters section if I can just do it with one click yeah than I am if I've got to sp- spend you know again 10 minutes filling in a really long form and as we know 1.4 billion people on Facebook most people that you're talking to in terms of supporters will have that that um, profile on Facebook which you can yeah, because all, 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 your, it's, your site. all it's pulling in is really simple function things like email address name mm. engagement okay so get them on the social media channels yeah through whatever through uh, in terms of events or on your website well, just, or just making it be there and yeah. it's you know there are a variety of ways of doing it it might be that you're doing uh, paid content and that's reaching people you know if you're doing really good content and people are sharing it you know, and it goes viral, then you're getting in more people's feeds and therefore more people are going to go, oh yeah, that's a good place, I'll... If people see good content and they want to see more of the same, they'll follow the channel that's creating that good content. Right. So, you know, if you're doing really good video content that's telling really emotive stories mm. and people want to see more of the emotive stories, they may not be brought into, say, cystic fibrosis or asthma or diabetes or cancer but they're brought into the to the content let mm. me go those guys are doing really good videos I want to see more of those videos I'll engage with them more and then then you're again you're building that relationship well this this is a nice segue actually into um, a couple of examples of really successful social media uh, social media viral campaigns um, I actually had a chat with a Howard Lake um, so uh, if we have a listen to this interview first and then we can um, talk about the next one so i'm here with howard lake founder of uk fundraising the online news site for charity fundraisers which he has published for 21 years a former fundraiser at oxfam afghan aid and amnesty international howard has trained thousands of fundraisers in the practicalities of using digital tools to support their fundraising is co-founder of Bar Camp Nonprofits and founder of Fundraising Camp. Howard Lake, welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you very much, Sam. My first question, in many people will have seen some 
charities using social media to great effect, such as the Ice Bucket Challenge and the No Makeup Selfie campaign, uh, what can charities do to take advantage of viral social media campaigns? I think a number of things. The first thing is that they should recognise that the two campaigns you quoted, both of them very successful in online fundraising, neither of them were started by a charity. They were individuals who got the idea of using social media, started reaching out to their contacts, and then, for various reasons, these ideas took flight and became viral. So I think it's important for charities not to try to create a vi socially viral campaign because the chances are they won't manage to achieve that. Lots of people try to and fail pretty badly. So I think the importance for charities is that they don't try to create a viral social campaign. They get the messages out that matter to them. They measure what they do and learn from that. And that they also watch and engage with their supporters because quite often the best ideas will come from their supporters. What are the three main pitfalls for charities communicating uh, via social media and what tips would you have for them to avoid them? I think the first thing is to be focused. That really is a challenge. How can you embrace these different channels, different tools effectively? Um, and how are you going to use them? And more importantly, do you, are you confident that those, these, two, these new channels will be more effective than your existing ones? Talking to people, running events, handing out leaflets and, and meeting, meeting potential donors. So there's that element. I think focus is very important. Second reason would be, I think the other biggest pitfall is um, you can end up spending a lot of time and money and skills that you don't have. Either you find these particularly challenging to find the right skills uh, to, to use these social media channels, um, or even if you do use them, you can end up spending far too much time on these and not getting the results, whether through campaigning, providing services, um, or, or generating income. So... Time, money and skills I put all together is the second main problem. And the third one is, is impact. Can you measure what you're doing um, and are you, learning from, are you learning lessons from it? If you're not doing any of those, then I would say do use other tools. Um, ignore social for a while until you're in a strong, stronger position and you know it's, it's going to generate some kind of response that you can measure and, and that contributes to your charity. And in terms, in terms of um, measuring the impact, how should charities measure the impact of their social media activities and judge value? And, and also, is social media as important a channel to all charities, or would it depend on the individual charity? It does. Um, I think, how do, you, how do you measure it? I think, you, to be, to be measured, measuring effectively, you need to know what you're measuring. So what are, you, what are your key aims for using uh, particular channels, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or, or YouTube, what are you trying to achieve? If you don't know where you're trying to go, you, you obviously can't measure whether you, or know when you've got there. I think it's very easy to use these tools, almost deceptively easy to use these tools to measure some of the things you're doing. So for example, it's very easy to find you know, what your Twitter follower numbers are. Are they going up? That's a good thing. But that's almost irrelevant. It's what your Twitter followers do with your information or the information about your organization. That's far harder to track. It can be. It can be done. But I think just counting, which is what many charities do, how many Facebook followers we've got, how many posts we've published, how many times we've been retweeted, that, that's useful. 
but it really doesn't tell you the whole story um, and it doesn't really give you anything to learn from. What kind of message works well for your charity, for your supporters? That's the kind of thing you need to work, work out and, and learn from. And there are tools that will, will help you, um, but equally you need to invest a bit more time and occasionally a bit of money to actually get access to that kind of information. Fantastic. And, and finally for me, how it, um, obviously I suppose social media is a fairly new, fairly new channel, uh, communication channel for charities. Um, but what should we expect the future of social media to look like and how relevant would that be as well? A very good question. Um, I think anyone um, in the sector really should just say we don't know, except to say there's going to be more of it. This stuff is not going away. It's going to be more mobile. We are all wandering around with mobile devices which can access these channels. Um, so the responses will be far faster. We'll know We'll be able to get messages out far faster and we'll know results far faster. Um, there's just going to be more opportunities, but equally more to distract us. There are so many online fundraising tools and channels available um, on social that actually one of the best things I currently I recommend most charities do is take the default position of saying no to testing out lots of new tools and opportunities. I think the most important thing is to get the use of their website and the use of their email uh, marketing um, as honed as possible. That's the most important thing. Um, but yes, there will be more of more social media. Um, it is just it's it won't, it's not even described as social media by many people now who've grown up. There are people in work now who've grown up with digital and social. So it's not a separate additional channel. It's just communications. Fantastic. Well, Howard, thank you so much for contributing to Charity Chat. Thank you, Sam. Okay, so that was um, Howard Lake uh, talking there about um, social media and had some very good advice there. One of the things that struck me was that the ice bucket challenge and the no makeup selfie, which are two very um, effective viral campaigns last year, um, neither of those originated from a charity. They were both supporter agents. Uh, um, and that's the key thing to, I think, remember about any viral campaign, whether it's... Um, a charity campaign, whether it's a non-charity campaign, you know, anything that goes viral, you can't plan for that to make something go viral. And so there's no formula that charities can there's no form into. There's no formula. It's, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, if you churn out good content consistently and people share it, then you might get lucky. And I think too many charities get bogged down in trying to create the next Icebucket Challenge. Just go and try stuff and some will work, some won't. Yeah. But unless you're trying stuff, you're not going to get the ones that might work, but you will always get the ones that don't. And I think that's quite an inspiration to anyone listening to this podcast that, um, I mean, like me, I work for charity, but I also fundraise as as any regular person mm. would for the charities that I, I yeah. want to support. And so, you know, for those people listening to that, you could go out there and do the thing that you want to do to fundraise for the charity. As part of doing that, you could actually spark this, uh, you know, this flame. I can't think of a good analogy, yeah. but you could you could really get the ball rolling, and you could actually create your own viral campaign that supports your charity and potentially yeah. other charities. Because that happened with the ice bucket challenge, didn't it? It started with yeah. one charity. Other charities then jumped on board. There was a little bit of controversy around that, 
but ultimately it raised a lot of money for a lot of different charities, which is great. Yeah, so the uh, the ice bucket challenge, for example. I mean, here in the UK, before the before that viral campaign, the um, Motor Neurone Disease Association, MND Association, here in the UK would receive an average of two hundred thousand pounds a week in donations. From the twenty second to the 29th of August, um, twenty fourteen, it received two point seven million pounds um, because of this ice bucket challenge. So that was a huge, huge uh, step up for them in terms of. Income. On our LinkedIn community, um, there were comments. Um, we put this out, and, and people were commenting. There were a couple of um, stories of people that had talked to their chief exec or their um, you know, SMT board um, or whoever, their trustees, about getting involved in social media, smaller charities especially. And one of the ladies um, on there had said that her chief exec was very anti-social media, partly because they were worried about if they're on social media. Um, how are they going to deal with anybody that has negative comments about their charity? So that kind of case of being too too open, being on social media and people being able to comment and having this very open form of commentary that could potentially lead to negative commentary about your charity. What do you think about that? Um, I think if you're not going to be open and transparent as a charity, you have no place being involved in a charity because right. charities have to be open and transparent. And actually, sure. if you're not able to do that, then what's the point? You know, everything has to go to the charity commission. You have to do your annual reports. There are people, and if people want to be negative about your charity, they'll find a way. Mm. They'll write you a letter. They'll send you an email. You know, so I think that's being open and transparent is part of parcel of being a charity. It's what sets other people see the complaint. It's like yeah, they'll see the complaint, but they'll also see your response. So they'll know that you respond to complaints and that you take them seriously. Mm -hmm. They'll see your response so it's not just left there hanging. Um, I mean, are there easy ways that charities can manage social media? Yeah, yeah, I mean, anyone can do it. I mean, that's... I say anyone can do it. I think that's both a positive and a negative because everyone can kind of think they can do it. But then when you try and do it from an organisational point of view, actually it does take skill and it does take work but that doesn't exclude you know that doesn't mean you need to hire an agency bring in a new member of staff staff spend money on expensive software personally i would do a post every other day right is the bare minimum for any organization in terms of if you want to manage a few different social media uh, channels so for example you want to manage facebook you want to manage Twitter, maybe um, LinkedIn or, mm-hmm. or Pinterest or something. Are you able to use, uh, are there kind of tools that you can use yeah. for that? Um, so there are a variety of social media management tools. Right. Um, the biggest ones are Hootsuite, Sprout Social and Buffer. They allow you to link in multiple social media accounts across multiple platforms. So yeah, so one of the key things they have is the ability to schedule content. Both the platforms themselves um, and tools like Hootsuite and Buffer allow you to set up various alerts, notifications, mm. they have mobile apps, they can send you emails. So, you know, you're never going to be not aware of what's going on. It's not about, you know, loading it up on a Monday morning and forget about it till the next Monday. Sure. Because otherwise you'll go 
you know, you'll open it up on a Monday and find a load of comments and a load of messages. You'll still need to be able to, mm. but it's it's not about constantly being in front of it all the time. And as I mean, as Howard says, you know, kind of as important as it is to have social media, get that right, but also make sure that you've then got people monitoring it. So it's coming through in yeah. the same way, I suppose. It'd be equivalent of having, you know, you, you get emails, you get posts. You know, any organisation will get emails, posts, and telephone calls. This is another channel, isn't it? Giving yeah. people the option to then also communicate with you through this other channel. And so you need to monitor all those things. You wouldn't have an organisation that only checks the voicemail yeah. once a week. So I suppose yeah, it exactly. it's, it's treating it as a commerce channel, like yeah. Howard said. Um, so one of the things we've done here is um, we have the enterprise level of version of Hootsuite. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gives us a lot more user access internally. And so our fundraising support team now um, monitor incoming messages on Twitter and Facebook and deal with fundraising as if they would do, as if it was an email. Sure. We're part of the social media scene ourselves. We've got Facebook page, we've got Twitter, we've got LinkedIn. All of them can be found on our website, charitychat.org.uk. Please do comment on today's show um, and also let us know if you've got any questions or if you would like any advice about how to improve your social media for your charity um, or uh, community group. Um, James is a contributor for Charity Chat, as am I, and uh, will do all that we can to um, to answer any questions that you have or to signpost you um, to somebody that can. Um, we'd like to thank James for uh, guesting on tonight's show, or today's thank show. Thanks very much. Thank you. Next month we're going to be talking about trading, and uh, so please do get in touch with us if you'd like to contribute to that. Um, our website, as always, is charitychat.org.uk, and our Facebook page is Charity Chat Podcast. We'd like to thank James and Howard for contributing this month, and um, also like to thank our sponsors, Red Dog Music, who uh, support us with our podcast kit, Forest of Fools, who have been playing music throughout the show and will be playing us out shortly, and of course, RR Yard Photography, who have given us some lovely photographs for our website, charitychat.org.uk. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thanks so much for listening, and please do keep in touch with us. Speak to you next month. Take care. Bye-bye.